You're listening to the newest episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life with your host, Kim Olver. Hi, this is Kim and welcome to Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. Today I want to talk with you about how you can raise responsible kids without punishment. It's totally possible and I can't wait to tell you one way. How can children learn responsibility without punishment? I love this question because it gives me the opportunity to talk about the difference between discipline and punishment and imposed versus natural consequences. Let's start with the difference between discipline and punishment. When you go back to the Latin root of each word, you discover that punishment means to inflict pain, either physical or emotional, while discipline means to teach. If we, as parents, are designing consequences that cause pain to our children in the name of teaching, we're lying to them and ourselves. Pain never taught anyone anything, except mistrust or hate of the person causing the pain, learning how not to get caught, or being blindly obedient to the punisher. Not just you, but really to anyone in an authority position, including the bully or local gang leader or the child molester who has befriended your child. Parents who believe in punishment are often causing pain. In fact, that's the point. They may not be inflicting physical punishment, but they are constantly seeking the consequence that will cause their child the most pain so they get it. I've heard parents say things like, Take their phone or make them quit football. That'll really wake them up. The problem is they won't get what you're trying to teach. Because as cellular biologist Bruce Lipton says, cells are either in one of two positions. They're either open for growth or closed for protection. And guess what a cell closed for protection learns? Absolutely nothing. Learning and growth only occur when a cell is open, not closed. Let's talk about the difference between natural and imposed consequences. Natural consequences just happen without your action. Imposed consequences is a fancy name for punishment created by you. A natural consequence of going outside without a coat on in the winter is that you will get cold, not that you're no longer permitted to go outside. That's imposed by you. A natural consequence of getting to class late is that you miss the information, not that you lose points in class. That's imposed by the teacher or the school. The natural consequence of being a bully is that no one genuinely likes you, not that you get, not that you get detention. That's a consequence imposed by the school. I'm not saying there is never a time for consequences. When people do not know how to be safe and they put other people at risk, it may be necessary for imposed consequences. That's why we have prisons. I think we need to be honest, though. Prisons aren't rehabilitative. They're punishment. It is possible, though, for prison officials and the people working there to create a need-satisfying environment that could be rehabilitated. That can and does happen. But most often, prison is experienced as punishment. Think about it. If punishment actually worked, there would never be repeat offenders. People would go to prison, they'd learn their lesson, they'd come out and be law-abiding citizens. But we know that's not what happens. So what's the alternative to punishment? It's an invitation to self-evaluate. 
An effective invitation to self-evaluate is typically only received from those we trust and respect. When others issue the invitation, they typically go unanswered without so much as an RSVP. Therefore, the first step to teaching your children responsibility is to become a person they trust and respect. This is not as easy as you might think. You're competing with their friends, educators, parents of their friends, and other adults in their life. You will need to mostly use the connecting instead of the disconnecting habits with them. If you don't know what that means, go back and listen to episode 7 about the relationship habits. A brief overview, the disconnecting relationship habits are complaining, blaming, criticizing, nagging, threatening, punishing, and rewarding to control. The connecting ones are listening, supporting, encouraging, trusting, respecting, accepting, and negotiating differences. What I really want is for you to hold up a mirror for your child so they can look at their behavior and compare it with what they really want. You may want to ask them to also think about what they want right now versus what they really want in the future. I knew both of my sons wanted to be police officers when they were teenagers. I was able to use that as leverage to help them make decisions between what they might want in the moment to impress their friends and what they really wanted in the long run. There were several things they decided not to do as teens that would have made it impossible for them to become police officers. You might be thinking your child would need more than a conversation, but when done right, this conversation can be more painful than a beatdown. There were many times when I would say to one of my children, we're going to need to talk about that. And their response was often, can't you just hit me? They knew the conversation was going to be more painful than any physical punishment I could dole out. If you have this conversation with a parental tone, your child will stop listening. Remember what the grown-up sounded like in a Charlie Brown cartoon? Wah, 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 wah. When you have conversations like that, you as the parent think, I told him he knows what to do now. And you're surprised when your child does something different than what you want. Children stop listening when they perceive you're lecturing them. They may feign attention, but that's because they're afraid and need to do what will minimize their danger. You will also want to model good self-evaluation skills for them. They need to see you doing the same thing you're asking them to do. So sometimes you'll want to do that out loud. You also want them to know you care about them and are serious about keeping them safe while helping them develop effective and responsible behaviors to meet their needs for connection, significance, freedom, and joy. If you believe you're that person, you can ask your child, what did you hope would happen in this situation? Then follow it up with, What things did you do to ensure you got what you wanted? Did it work or did you get something different, maybe that you didn't want? If they got what they wanted, raise the roof to celebrate. If they didn't, we want to teach them how to do it better next time without it sounding like a lecture. If the answer to your question is yes, their behavior got them what they wanted, some additional questions to ask are, was it against the rules? Was it illegal? And did it hurt anyone, including yourself? 
You might also want to ask the question, you got what you wanted, but is it possible you also got some things you didn't want in terms of consequences? If you get an affirmative answer to any of those questions and you have the relationship described where your child trusts and respects you, then you can say, if we can together figure out a way for you to get what you want without breaking the rules, the law, or hurting someone, would you be interested in at least talking about it? If you have a solid relationship, they will most likely be willing to at least hear you out. When you pose that question, you want to be sure you have some ideas as to how that could happen. You don't want to ask that question and then have nothing to offer. You need to see a way for them to have what they want, and if not, then at least what they need without the negative consequences. Let's say your child was caught shoplifting. There aren't many parents who would think that's a good thing, and the urge to punish would be strong. However, instead of going with your instinct, have this conversation instead. Ask your child what he or she wanted. It's rarely about the stolen item, but they may start there. You can talk about other ways they could have gotten it, such as asking you to buy it, or working for the money to get it themselves. You may want to see if you can figure out what was really behind the behavior. Were they trying to impress a friend, the need for connection? Was the stolen item to give them a feeling of importance, like maybe they had to have the same kind of shirt all the other kids were wearing? Could it be they were going for the adrenaline rush? Joy. Did he or she do it to go against societal norms? Freedom. Or was it something your child truly needed to survive? Something to eat? Present all your ideas and options. You can even match your ideas to the basic needs to see which will satisfy your child the best. It will give you an indication you're on the right track. It's best if you have at least three so your child has some autonomy in choosing their next steps. One thing you can offer is that they can keep doing it exactly the way they're doing it. This sends a very positive, important message to your child. You're not trying to change him or her. This is important because when you have a high significance or high freedom child, they will do the opposite of what you want to maintain their autonomy. So just let your child know what you already know. Tell them they don't have to change anything. In this example, you would actually say, you could keep shoplifting, that's an option. I know you don't want to say that, but let me make my case. If your child actually chooses that, then you have the opportunity to talk about what can happen if he or she continues to shoplift, including legal penalties. If you don't present this as an option, your child already knows he or she can keep shoplifting, but what they don't know is that you are willing to process this with them without judgment. It is important that throughout your conversation you are non-judgmental and casual. You want to talk in a please pass the butter kind of tone. You don't want your child to know which option you think is best. Your goal is to have your child use their knowledge, experience, and values to come up with their best choice to proceed. You, of course, may have some knowledge and experience of your own that you can share with them. Just be careful that when you do, you don't give them the impression you know what's best for them. You want to trust and respect your child enough that he or she will make the best decision once you have the opportunity to provide any missing information they may need. This doesn't mean they will always choose what you think they should, 
nor does it mean they will never make a mistake or choose an option that doesn't work out the way they hoped. This is called experience. They will make a great decision or they will gain experience that will help them make better decisions in the future. The best thing about this approach is that you are privy to your child's thinking, growth, and development. You'll have a front row seat and a position of great influence. When you take the punishing route, your child will avoid you at best and defy you at worst. After you've offered them the option of continuing to keep doing what they've been doing, I like to pose an option that will likely lead to worse consequences. I like to throw this out because occasionally your child might think that is actually their best option. Of course, as a parent, you wouldn't want them choosing this option. The good news is that when they do, again, you get to talk to them about the day-to-day grind of living that life. Children tend to glorify the forbidden. Many think it would be awesome to run away because they could live on the street without any grown-ups telling them what to do. Rarely do they consider some of the challenges, like where will they sleep and what will they eat? How will they get money? How will they deal with the bullies on the street or the pimps who want them to do something unspeakable just to get dinner? Once you've laid out the choices that they can keep doing what they've been doing or they could do something worse, then you can suggest all the positive choices you can think of. The idea is for them to have the options to keep doing what they've been doing, do it worse or do it better. Present all the options you can think of as if they were of equal weight and let your child decide what he or she thinks is best. Present the benefit of your knowledge and experience and then get out of the way and let your child decide. It is your child's life and he or she will need to live with the consequences of their decisions. The ultimate goal is for you to teach them better decision-making skills and if things don't work out the way they hope, you don't want to do anything that would prevent them from coming back to talk with you again. Choice parents use modeling and the art of teaching from natural consequences to help their children learn responsibility. No punishment required. And don't forget Philip Mott's excellent parenting support group on Facebook called Kids Are People. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast and that you'll join us next week when the topic shifts from parenting to self-discovery. I'll be having an interview with Jeanette Schneider of the Live app. It's a great app for you to be working with during this time of sheltering in place. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at www.therelationshipcenter.biz forward slash podcast and remember to subscribe.